This is Daphne Sky, and you're listening to Make Your Break, episode number 10. Hey guys, we've got Daphne Sky doing a takeover of the podcast today. And before we jump in, I want to mention three different things. So the first one is how did Daphne get come about interviewing me? Um, Daphne, she I actually ran a thing on Instagram and I just put a call out and asked if anybody would want to ask me any questions and if they want to take over my Instagram. And I thought it'd be a really good chance for yeah someone like Daphne just to get to know me a little bit more. And she was perfect because she's actually someone that I've mentored before in the past and she's got great energy. She's got great questions. So she she won by a long shot just with the interesting questions that she's got. And we get pretty deep in this episode. The second thing is this episode has some coarse language. So if you're listening in the car with your kids, then this one might not be for you at that time. But if you don't mind a couple of swear words here and there, then jump right in. And the third thing is this episode is brought to you by my friends over at Vision Art. Vision Art are my personal wedding album suppliers and they've just made life so easy for me for years. I love their attention to detail, the customer service and the albums themselves are incredible. So albums have helped me and my business, Free the Bird, stay profitable over the years and I can't stress enough how much they've helped. So if you want to give them a try, use the code MAKEYOURBREAK upon checkout and receive 30% off your first order. If you missed that, I will also put it in the show notes. So let's not waste any time and let's get straight into the interview. Hi everyone. So I'm Daphne from Daphne Sky Studios and I am so freaking pumped to be on this podcast. I was so I'm very nervous right now about all of this, but you gotta stretch your comfort zones and your limits. Yay. So today are we doing something a little bit different? And I am going to introduce to you Jai Long from Free the Bird Weddings. Hi Jai. Hi, and thanks for having me on my show. I'm really excited about today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for this opportunity. I think it's very fun and I'm very excited to interview you and get to know more about you. So I really wanted to kickstart things off uh, with your wedding photography business. Uh, I've been following you for a while now and you have been cropping up on all my Facebook groups and Instagrams when I was looking for a mentor. So there's a few things I want to know all about you and your Free the Bird. First of all is where did the name come from and was it hard to find, get into that process of branding yourself as Free the Bird? That's a really good question actually um, and a lot of people do ask me and I do tell people but what's interesting about Free the Bird is when I made that up I was actually working as an electrician and I was in the mines and I was a little bit ashamed, a little bit embarrassed that instead of going to the pub with everybody else, I used to go and take photos of things with my camera after work. And I would publish all my photos online and I put them on a blog and I needed a name for the blog. And I didn't know, this is back when like WordPress was a big thing and people would follow people on blogs. And I was thinking for so long, I was like, I need a name that people would remember and it would also hide my identity. Um, I'm uh, like pretty introverted as well. So I never wanted my name in the spotlight. So I was literally in the car with a friend and we're driving along and I was brainstorming different names. And then a bird flew right in front of our car. And then I was like, free the bird. That's what it has to be. And my friend like had a bit of a laugh and he's like, why free the bird? And I was like, because I feel like I'm stuck and I need to free my imagination. And so the bird is literally me kind of leaving like the life that I have right now and literally like freeing myself. Like that's what it was, like freeing my imagination, freeing, like there's so many opportunities and it really did feel like that as well. So that's how the name came about. And I am actually really passionate about naming businesses because actually Free the Bird kind of really helps my success at the very start because it's a very memorable name. And to name a name... Um, that people remember, it needs to go into the back of your mind. So what happens is if you name something like Free the Bird, people will use their imagination and they will imagine a bird and then they'll imagine maybe someone flicking someone off or they'll imagine all these different things like where did you come up with that 
name or put a bird on it or all these different things. And because it goes back into the back of the mind and in, in the imagination, when they hear it again, they can't remember my name, but they can go, oh, I've heard of that person before. Like, who is that? Is that some, they're a big deal. I'm pretty sure of it Like because I've heard of them before. So once someone's heard my name once, everyone's heard of me. And I was actually talking um, my very first my very first workshop thing that I talked at was up in Brisbane at a friend's house. And everyone was handing out business cards at this time. And they were telling each other's names and everybody was like their name. And I'm really bad with names. But when it came to me, everybody remembered Free the Bird. So even though I only just started my business, everyone thought I was doing it for a very long time just because everybody have heard of me. So yeah, I am passionate about naming things. And I guess like at times I do cringe at my own name, but at the same time, I do feel like it's helped me a lot. And yeah. I love that. Like I fucking love that so much because the depth of just what goes behind your name is amazing. Wow. Okay. That's a lot to think about, especially um, when people wear their name as a brand and then when they have like an alias as like their brand as well. And I do totally agree with you when you say that Free the Bird really sticks in your head because it, it does. Like I saw Free the Bird everywhere and I was like, who is this dude? And then it was you, you know? Um, okay, so that was really awesome. Thank you for that. Obviously, your brand is like really huge. You're Free the Bird and now also um, JaiLong.co. And I was wondering, why do you think your work has gained so much traction with couples as well as creatives? With your huge following and expanding business endeavors, you seem to have some like epic secret sauce. Do you feel like it just clicked for you and it all just went from there or did something go viral or was this all just from years and years of hard work mounted up? It's definitely a lot of different factors for sure. One thing is definitely persistence. At the time, whenever I'm doing something, it feels like I'm not getting anywhere. But I have a big belief of I see a big vision all the time. And so for me, I will outlook say a year in advance and then two years in advance and three years in advance. And when I first started my wedding photography business, um, I didn't have any any weddings booked, but I was like, I'm going to shoot 30 weddings this year. And by next year, I'm going to be one of the best wedding photographers around. And by the year after, I'm going to teach a workshop. And that was how I, I would actually tell people these things. But the thing was, like, none of it was true. It's just that I had to make it work. But it was all down to the little steps. So I'd be like, step one, okay, if I'm teaching a workshop in two years time, I need to start booking that 30 weddings. And then to do that, I'm just really, really ambitious. And I'll go out there and I won't stop hustling until I get those 30 weddings. I'll go around and shake everyone's hands. I'll meet the people I need to meet. I'll do styled shoots. I'll talk to, you know, any interview, any opportunity to make sure that I hit that target. And then I kind of keep going. So on a daily basis, it feels like I'm going nowhere. But when I look backwards, I'm like, man, I get so much done. Another thing is I don't waste any time. So everything I do from the very start is always about how can I be impactful. So I'm never busy. If someone talks to me, I never say like, oh, I'm just really busy right now because I'm not actually busy. It's just, just when I put my time towards something, I can make a really big impact. And it's because I guess it's because like, I kind of hone in and I'm a little bit obsessive. So I just make sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm just like not wasting any time and I'm kind of just trying to get the job done. Like the reason why people are following me, I mean, there is some secret sauce for sure. Um, I have built, you know, a few different brands and I have fans as well, which is really cool. Um, I mean, like to have that is like a really humbling thing. It's insane. Um, even even my business, Heartbreak Hotel, has fans. Like people will show up to the events and people are fans of that business and it's really cool. But I would say like the secret sauce really is if people can connect with you. And sometimes it's really hard to put yourself out there and allow people into your life and allow them to connect with you. But when someone connects with you on a human level, it changes everything. And it's so important, especially these days when we're so disconnected on, you know, social medias and things like that. Once you bring a human element into things and you show some emotion and you show your emotional intelligence as well, like people will connect. You know, we can try and look busier than we are by making big corporate brands or even with Free the Bird. I never made out like I had lots of employees or I was like bigger than I was. I was like, I am free. You know, I work for Free the Bird and it's just me. Mm. But I was able to always connect with everybody. So 
if you do want the secret sauce, you don't have to put your whole life out there. Like connecting with people is not on that level. But it, it looked like this from the start. I was terrible at writing writing anything actually. When I, you know, went into my 20s, I couldn't, I could barely read and write. I just didn't do much schooling. And so, when I started Instagram, I would write big captions and I'd write in the captions and say, I'm terrible at writing, like bear with me, but to get better, I need to write. That's what I have to do. So, I would write these captions and there's spelling mistakes everywhere. And, you know, I didn't know punctuation. I didn't know anything, but it got slightly better and it got slightly better. And people would write to me going like, you know, why would you put that out there? It's got spelling mistakes. It's got this. But the thing was, I was able to do it and people could connect with me because they were like, I want to be able to write captions, but I'm too scared. But you're doing it. And when I started photography, I would post photos and they were terrible. Yeah. But I would, I wasn't scared of posting them because I would say like, what's the point of posting a polished photo? No one can connect with it. It's no longer human. I would rather post a photo that's you know, it's not as good as I can do, but everybody goes, oh my God. And also I've got a lot of traction. So I have a thousand likes on a photo. This is back in like 2013 or 14. I get a thousand likes and people would hate me because they would literally go on there and say like, I can post, I can do a better photo than this and I wouldn't get as many likes. Like what's the deal? But they're missing the point. The deal was I was able to be vulnerable enough to put out work that wasn't good enough and allow people to critique it and allow people to connect with me because everyone wants to be able to do that. It's just not not everybody does that. So, yeah, I would say that's the secret sauce, being able to connect with people. That is awesome and I totally 100% agree with you. Listening to all of that just like gave me butterflies because you have to really put yourself out there and that's really scary with the whole like Instagram thing and learning something on the way. Okay, that's crazy. That was really cool though. So... When I say that people, um, when you're gaining tractions with all the couples and creatives, so was there an actual defining moment where you were like, oh, shit, I can do this for real and like just went from there? Yeah, like with workshops and with just doing like going full time, it wasn't something that just naturally happened. It's something that I pushed to happen. So it was very unnatural actually. And it was like, okay, I'm going full time. I don't have any weddings booked, but... What I'm going to do is I'm going to quit my job because then I have to get it going and I'm going to put all my time into it. So, it's kind of like going against the grain with how much, you know, I don't want to do that. And with workshops, what's interesting about that is um, I'm really good at business and I am good at business because I've failed so many businesses and I've learned so much. And when I came into the creative space, uh, coming back from my last electrical company, I could see how terrible people were with business and they were scared of it, really scared. So, wedding photographers, they couldn't understand how um, how to book clients or how to, you know, liaise with clients or how to market or how to, you know, better serve their customers and all these things. And all that came second nature from me because of, you know, my background. So, I was able to teach, you know, straight away a workshop to be able to teach people business. But I was only, I think I was in my second year of business myself in wedding photography and I got so many haters and I didn't sell out that workshop. That workshop actually cost me, I think my first workshop might have cost me almost up to $5,000 to put on. Like that was the reality of it. But I didn't care because I was like, man, I will get a loan if I have to because this is what I'm doing. And, you know, it didn't just naturally, people didn't just come to me and go like, Jai, I'm going to buy a $1,000 ticket from you because of any reason. I was making them, you know, I was like putting the workshop out there. No one else was doing it. And I was, um, I was showing up and I was, you know, selling these tickets and I was, I was getting haters, you know, people that have been in the industry for so long that were doing workshops couldn't believe that I had the nerve to do a workshop. And that was the reality at the time. So, it did grow. Like, obviously, it cost me a lot of money at the start. And then now, um, I, I'm able to make money as well. And, you know, it was... Yeah, getting into the trenches and um, and making it work for myself is definitely how that came about. That blows my mind because you did, did you just say that was the second year of your weddings then you hosted a workshop in your second year of weddings? Yeah, that's right. Second year of weddings. And oh, then, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually really cool because that is my dream one day to host a workshop I think there's definitely a space for it and I love helping out people and you help out lots of people too but 
So in your second year, you just decided to do a workshop for other photographers and you were like, you know what, I'm going to help other people. And you just went from there. Yeah. And, and the thing was like, if someone said, you know, I wasn't good enough at um, photography or anything like that, the thing was by this stage, I probably already had, you know, 20,000 followers. I was really good at marketing. I was already booked out two years in advance. Like I was already like doing all these things that I knew that worked. And I'm so passionate about helping people and especially with something that I find so easy. So, all these photographers that came, you know, it was just like they're struggling with business and they're struggling with these things that I find second nature. So, it was just like, how can I help the community? This is incredible. And so, you know, again, it cost me $5,000, but I was willing to do that because I was like stupidly passionate about helping people. That is such a cool story. So, from that workshop, and even though it cost you more, did it like gain traction from your first one? And then you learned a lot, obviously, from what you needed to do for the next ones? Yeah, definitely. If you want to know all about my workshops, I can I can tell you some cool stuff. The, last year, I mean, these I'm learning so much stuff. It's insane. So, if you want to know about my workshops right now, um, last year... Oh, sorry. At the start of this year, I launched a new workshop and it was a creative business workshop. And it was like an intensive workshop to really show people how to like properly price, how to do all the taxes, how to employ people, how to, it was kind of like the next level up. Like if you wanted to level up in business, this was for you. I think I launched like maybe like six different dates all around Australia and New Zealand and it totally flopped. I sold like two tickets and I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, I've built up this workshop for so long. And now that I've started a new workshop, like no one has showed up. And it's so interesting because you think you've got it all worked out and everything. And then all of a sudden you kind of get floored again and you're like, oh my God, I'm back at the start. Should I do this workshop again and pay a lot of money or should I move on and like try a different idea? And that's how that worked out. And if you want like the full honesty with my like workshop stuff now, I've transitioned it into Jai Long, like Jai Long Co. Because I do want to have my name on it now and I do want to connect on another level with people. But right now I've just employed three full-time staff and with all my podcasts and all these things, it's costing me $17,000 a month to run my business right now. And we're bringing in almost $0. And that's just like, it's just like on me of like, okay, this is make your break for me. I'm, this might really take off and I'll be able to help a lot of people, but it might not. It totally might flop. And at the end of the year, I could be like, well, that was a great experiment. That just cost me all my savings. And I also worked my butt off shooting so many weddings to try and make it all work. But the reality is like, Sometimes you just got to put yourself out there because I honestly believe when I'm 50 years old, if I look back and go, I didn't put in 110%, what the hell was I thinking? I was so young. Like I could have made the money back. I could have done so many things. Like why didn't I do it? So I always look forward and I just think, you know, how would I feel if I didn't put in 110? And also if I'd put in 50% and only just hired one person, I really struggled long for a long time. I also may not succeed. And then I kind of half did something and also failed. And then how would I feel? I mean, I'd feel even worse. So, yeah, my workshops, like, I've definitely had a a good run of workshops over the last few years and they've definitely been profitable and they've definitely helped so many people. I'm not going to lie about any of that stuff. Right now, all the money I've made in my workshops, I've reinvested back into my business and that's what I'm doing right now. So, that's the money that's going in paying for everybody. And I'm just taking a chance on myself. Like, that's what it is. And it's like, it's probably not really working out right now. If I'm looking at it, I'm not, it's not like, oh my God, this is working. Like, it's all happening. It's just the same as when I started my business. It's like, I need to make this shit work. Like, that's what it is. There isn't anything else. So, I put myself in the most uncomfortable space I can because I am a fighter and I know I'll fight my way out of it. And yeah. So that's, I mean, that's where I am with my workshops right now. So the listeners right now cannot see my face on video, but I will describe that I am so crazily flawed right now at the honesty of that. And that is just so amazing. And I'm like fucking reeling right now. I think that is so cool that you've done that, that you've taken such a huge like chance on yourself and what better way to live a life than do that. And I think that is so amazing. And Obviously, um, you have a good community also on like social media and stuff like that. But to do these type of endeavors like that, and thank you, by the way, for even telling us like how much it takes to run, because I feel like no one talks about that kind of 
No one does talk um, about that stuff. Like, like how much it costs to run a business and what you're doing. It's also like I might fail on a large scale and I want yeah, people right. to see it. Like I want people, if I fail, I want people to see it because it's like you, like if you go online, you see entrepreneurs and they're doing this stuff and they're, they're in a jet and they're, I don't know, like they're, you know, they're living the lifestyle. But this is the reality. <laughs> this is like you're bootstrapping something and you're trying to make it work because you love it and you love helping people and you're trying to live, you know, the lifestyle that you want. And it's like, if I fail, you know what? I'm going to be back and I'm going to, I'll be teaching a workshop about it. Like I won't, it's not the end of the world. I've, I can keep rolling the dice and I can keep doing something else. And I might be a hundred percent broke and we might be living in our car or something. Like, I don't even have a car, you know, it might be whatever it is. And um, it, yeah, it really doesn't matter to me. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy right now. Okay. That's just giving me so much inspiration and a kick up my ass, you know, like, there's no excuses for anything at all. Yeah. So I guess after knowing all of that, and I guess you won't really, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this question, but it's what you answered to when you put, put out the call on your Instagram and said, what questions would you ask me on a podcast? And I typed, I was really nervous about this, but I typed, how do you deal with imposter syndrome if you get it? For the listeners that don't know, I wikied the definition of imposter syndrome and it says that it is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. And what do you think about that? Yeah, wow, that's incredible. It's um, I think that it might be my whole life if we've been honest with each other. <laughs> um. I definitely feel like an imposter. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm ever scamming everybody anybody. So I feel like someone could think of an imposter as someone shouldn't be there and then they're scamming someone. I feel like I'm an imposter in a sense of mm. like I feel like sometimes things grow bigger than what I am and what I can do and they get a little bit out of control, but I also have so much self-belief that I'm really resourceful and I'll be able to I'll be able to fill those shoes. I'll be able to like make it work. Um, but a lot of the times, like I, I have no idea. Like, you know what? Like talk about imposter syndrome. You know, I started this podcast. This is not even a joke. I started this podcast. Someone told me I should listen to a podcast and I was driving up to my parents' house this winter and it's about maybe a 24-hour drive nonstop. Um, and someone said, oh, I should listen to some podcasts. I listened to like three different episodes of a podcast and I was like, oh my God, I'm starting my own podcast. And then that's all I've ever done. And so when I started a podcast, <laughs> everyone contacted me like, oh, you must have really listened up and listened to everyone's podcasts and how it was all structured and you know all the rules. And I'm like, no, what do you mean? I just bought a microphone. And then now I'm going to like, you know, publish this thing. And then within maybe like three and a half weeks, my podcast was on Spotify and Apple, iTunes and, you know, everywhere. And then I was launching and I think in our first month on this podcast, I've had 4,000 listeners. And I was like, whoa, there it is. But the thing is like, I know I can grow it. Like my first episodes, <laughs> you know, they're not great. And, you know, they're only getting better. But um, it's the same as when I started the Instagram thing. I know I can be an imposter, but I'm also learning really fast on how to do something. And this is the way I learn. I just get in and I do it. And then I'm hopefully like, hopefully I'll become good at it. Or I get obsessive enough to become good at it. That is so wild. And what a great way to really hanger down the imposter syndrome situation. Is there, do you ever get in it deep that you feel kind of like, shitty about it or do you have like a process to bring you down from that level if you feel like oh my gosh what am I doing like this is bigger than me or do you never get to that level of like overwhelm or anything like that oh man overwhelm is the worst I do get to that level for sure um but I'm actually like one of the biggest attributes you can have is like as an entrepreneur is asking for help and I'm the first one to ask for help I ask for help from I can't do everything that I do, you know, by myself. And right now I've got staff because I need help. And um, just knowing, you know, knowing your limits and knowing to be resourceful, like it's it's actually interesting, like being an imposter, like this is, this is actually a really interesting thing. Being an imposter, right? I'm in my studio right now and I'm the only one in my studio that doesn't have a degree, but I'm also the only one that's employing everybody. And so sometimes like, if you think about that for a moment, like I could be the imposter that's 
I have the ideas and I've got the drive, I've got the ambition, I've got a uh, vision, I've got all these things. Um, but I'm also so resourceful that I don't need to go and get a degree because I can also hire someone that has the skills and they've dedicated themselves to that one thing. And then I can hire someone for every single one of those things. So you can be an imposter, but you don't have to do everything yourself. You can, you know, outsource and you can ask for help and you can grow a community. And, you know, that was another reason why I started my workshops as well. Um, it's because I wanted to harbor a community. And I have been for the last, you know, since my first workshop, it was like four years ago. They're the same people from that very first workshop I'd done. They're still in the Facebook group and they still egg me on every time I'm doing something new. And I still ask for help when I need help from them as well. And I think that is like really important. And then so the overwhelm, when you just said that, that is like if you've got too much going on and you don't have an, a system, overwhelm is the killer of everything because you can't perform when you're overwhelmed. Like you literally shut off. And so what I will do is my mind moves so fast and I'll literally have to like lock myself in a room and watch Netflix. And I have to do that because I can't just close my eyes and go to sleep because I and I can't meditate and I can't do these things. I need to distract my mind enough so then I feel like I'm rested and then I just and I get away from everything. And that's just like overwhelm. It, it makes me so unproductive and it really kills everything. But I snap myself out of it pretty quick as well. Mm. So when I'm overwhelmed, yes, I will go to bed early and yes, I will watch Netflix and yes, I will kind of dwell on it. And the next morning, I'll go down to my studio and then I'll start making myself a plan to dig myself out of it. And I'll, I'll start writing a list. And a list to me is the best thing you can do for overwhelm or if you're busy because the way I do it is I'll write a list of the things I've got to do and it's just like downloading my brain. So that means I don't need to remember it anymore. And so it's like less brain energy. And I write it down and it doesn't even matter if I screw up that piece of paper and throw it in the bin because I no longer, I know it's somewhere and I no longer have to like use my energy to remember it. So it's so like over the years, I've just learned that like if something's bugging me, I literally write it down. I'll just push it to the side and then, and then I can move on from there. I actually do the same and I thought I was crazy because I write. I have like 50,000 journals from overwhelm. <laughs> I just <laughs> write my heart out and then I feel better afterwards. It totally does something from getting out from your head to physical. It's like, oh. Yeah, it's so good. Just downloading your thoughts. No, yeah, it is. It's totally awesome that way. So um, I have this massive crush on you and Lilu nice. because – as you know, the hashtag goals of marital life and working together. Uh-huh. And that is actually my dream to one day do, you know, with my husband and we have our children running around because he's in the nine to five right now and I'm trying to do this in between. But I want to know, and if you could give advice to anyone else who are transitioning or wanting to do something like this, how do you go about living and working together? It's something that like a lot of people struggle with and I won't lie, we don't really struggle too hard with it, not even really from the start. It might have, when I went full time, Leela was studying design so it was a little bit of a shock for her all of a sudden I was home every day. But what we did have to do is (laughs) (laughs) at the start we kind of worked on the same projects together and we work at different, like a different pace I guess because like my mind doesn't switch off and you know, there's... I just go and go and go and it's hard to be around me because there's just too much intense energy. Lily calls it, you know, she's always like, Jai, you're just too intense. Like, calm down. You're too intense. And it's, it's. I mean, I don't know if it's my fault. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but it's just a trait. And so, I'm often apologizing to all the people around me. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, that that you have to spend time with me, you know. I'm, I'm sorry because the energy just doesn't stop. Like, I don't even sleep much. Like, the energy just doesn't stop. But one of the hugest things, right, with a relationship is you've got to give each other space and you've got to allow each other to grow and to evolve and to change. And so um, a relationship can get, uh, it can almost get toxic. If you, if one person outgrows each other, like if one person outgrows the other person, you can, especially if you're working together, it can cause things like you could feel jealous or you know spite or something because you feel like you're not doing as much as them or you can compare or you can I don't know there's there is like so many things there that can happen but we work on a separate businesses so that's number one we can work on the same desk like that's fine um Lily won't say the same she's like no that can't happen 
I, I think we can. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but allowing each other to grow. So I, you know, she, like she celebrates all the little wins that I have and she's there when I am overwhelmed and she's there always helping me. And I'm doing the same for her. Like whenever she needs a hand, like I'm trying to like allow her to grow and to build something she's proud of. And like for me to see it, I'm so proud and it's just so cool to to lift each other up and to have a relationship like that. It's yeah, it is really incredible because you feel like you've got some, someone's always got your back and, you know, someone's in your corner and they're proud of what you do. And like, I think things like that is just so special and like so amazing to have in a relationship, but it takes work from both partners, of course. So, you know, like I talk about like emotional intelligence a lot and being self-aware. And I think in a relationship, you really need to have those things. Um, you got to be happy within yourself. You got to be, you got to be, it's like not just happy, but you've also got to believe in yourself. You've got to be content in yourself. You've got to be able to rely on yourself and you're not relying on the love from someone else or from the acceptance from someone else because, I mean, that can, yeah, that would be just like a really hard thing. So for me, like I'm so confident, like I am an introvert and I won't go out there saying I'm the best in the world, but I am confident in myself. I'm confident in the fact that I know my ability and I know I'm not the best at things. I know my weaknesses and all those, but I'm the first to accept them and to admit them and to, you know, to say sorry and to ask for help and all those things. And I think being self-aware and knowing how you make people feel around you is really important and also not um, relying on, you know, feelings from other people. Another reason why it's worked really well is because Lilu, yeah, she's she's really special. Like, <laughs> she, um, I think she's just, Aww. yeah, she's she just like really supports me in everything I do, and it's um, it's so nice to have that because I have you know friends that you know they're in relationships and they can't work together, and you know they don't help each other. They almost hold each other back, like. Imagine this. When someone believes in you, this is what it sounds like, right? Mm. If someone goes, um, hey, I want to quit my job. I'm thinking about becoming a photographer. And if someone doesn't believe in you, they're going to say, well, if it doesn't work out, at least you can do this. Or if it doesn't work out, at least you can always go back to there. Don't burn those bridges because you can go back to your last job. And that's what it sounds like. That's basically someone saying to you, oh, my God, like, don't quit your job. It's not going to work. That's what it is, right? And so I made a decision a long time ago. I don't hang out with those people anymore. And it's, you know, as rude as that sounds, um, you know, know, that changed my life, like pulling people out of my life that don't bring me up. So the people that I hang around now, including my wife, if I come up with a crazy idea, she doesn't laugh at me and she goes, you know what, Jai, if anyone could make that work, you could do it. And then that's something amazing because I don't feel judged and I feel like, oh my God, maybe I can do it. And then... I already thought I could do it, but she's thinking I can do it. So maybe I can do it. And she also allows me to do really dumb ideas and she allows me to fail, you know. Like she will say to me like, hey, you know, Jai, I don't care if you lose our money. I don't care if this happens. I don't care if that happens. If that's what's holding you back, like let's just do it. And she like she's always all in on everything. So uh, I don't want to be like sitting here bragging about our relationship um, because that's just like the you know, but but what I do want to say is like, what what I actually do want to say, and this is the advice that I I give to people: be you be the person that you want to see in your in your half in your better half. It's like you need to be that person for them. So a lot of the times mm-hmm. we say like, oh my partner won't let me you know go out and have drinks with my friends or won't let me you know quit my job or spend some money or something. And it's like, but do you allow that for your partner? You need to be that person for them. And so everything, like for me, like, you know, Lilu does that. She gives me so much energy, but I make sure I'm that person for her as well. So, you know, and that's how it all comes back. If she wants to start a business and I think, you know, like, oh, maybe that won't work. Like, it, it doesn't matter though. Like, if that's an idea she wants to do and she wants to pursue it, then we're doing it. Like, that's just what it is. No, I think... That was so beautiful and I just got ooh googly from that. <laughs> I think that was so cute. <laughs> getting, um, I was getting a little bit And deep I really there. love how passionate you are. Yeah, <laughs> you, got all, you got all amped up there about your love. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so good that you have passion in that, okay? And I feel like um, because we're in the industry of love, you know, photographing weddings and things like that, 
we never actually really help our couples about marriage itself and I feel like everything does stop after the wedding like even now I'm trying to put out to the world like have um, couples photography after your wedding because you two both really matter still despite having kids and relationships and everything else in the world you will always grow with that person till the end of time yeah and I was just wondering because I saw a photo of you and Lilu that you just posted and on your stories where she's taking a photo of you sitting on the brick wall or something yeah so cute do you um do you honor that as creators as yourself to document your time together even though it's after the wedding and just everyday life um you know like I'm probably the worst person (laughs) I'm the worst person for this because um someone asked me the other day like hey Jai how many wedding photos would you have been happy with from your photographer and I said, you know, I'd honestly be happy with about five. And then even Leela was like, what do you mean? I was like, five photos. Like, yeah. So, I mean, the thing is for me, I was like, if we, if Leela and I had a really beautiful photo together and it was just like a really nice shot, I could show my grandkids one day, I'm happy. If I got like a group photo of all my friends and family together, mm. I'm happy. If I got a photo with like all my best friends, I'm happy. And then a photo of my family. Like I was, if I had those five photos, like then life is done. So I am like the worst person because even though I do show up on, you know, on Instagram and Insta stories and I do record myself and I put myself on videos and all these stupid things that I'm so uncomfortable doing, um, I don't really put enough emphasis into actually documenting our own lives. Like it's, yeah, I guess like I'm a little bit of a hypocrite like that. I feel like all photographers are hypocrites. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too. Like um, with wedding photography, I'm kind of not the right clientele for my clients either. Um, I mean, like not personally, right? Um, they hire me because I'm really creative and I'm and I'm a people person. So that's why my clients hire me because they they meet me and they really get along with me. I get along with males, females, young, old, and I have since I was a kid. I was the little kid that could get. I was friends with my teachers. I was friends. With, I could be friends with anybody. Um, so people hire me because of that reason, right? Um, it's not because of my love of photos. And so, you know, I grew up like a pretty rough upbringing and stuff. And it wasn't like the kind of, you know, like we didn't get school photos because we couldn't afford the $20 for the school photos. And so that's just like how my life was where, and you know, wedding photos, my parents got married in my lounge room in front of me. And it was just like, you know, mum and dad getting married because they were getting married because they just had a fight and then dad proposed to mum and then all of a sudden there was a wedding and then my grandma was there. And like that was the wedding and it was a beautiful wedding and mum cooked dinner and we all had dinner together. But it's a different life, right? And so what I love about weddings is when I, it's like I uh, romanticize about it. I go into these, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty expensive. So my clients, you know, they're, they're, they're willing to pay for me they are, um, they have really nice, big, extravagant weddings. They're beautiful weddings. And when I go there, I'm like, man, like how amazing is this life? Like how amazing are these people? And it's like a window into a life that I never had. And so that's why I actually love weddings. It was literally, and it's not just that. It's like I get to see like Indian weddings. I get to see Greek weddings. I get to see Norwegian weddings. I get to shoot weddings in Africa. I get to shoot weddings in Chicago. I get to see so many cultures and meet so many people. And like, truth be told, if we're being really honest with each other, I actually don't care about photography at all. I care, like when I'm there, I just care about like meeting people, talking to people and connection. And then photography is like, I get a camera and I take a picture and like, they love it because I'm creating something for them. And in return, I get a connection. Um, and that's what photography has only ever been for me. When I did my, I don't know if you know this, but my first year of photography, I didn't know how to shoot out of automatic mode on my camera. I just didn't. And I didn't care because I was like, I just need to take a really nice photo of these people. Um, And then like the settings, it doesn't matter. So what I did was when I wanted to learn is I went and bought a whole bunch of uh, body language books and I learned body language. I was like, if I could read people and see how comfortable they are and see how they move and how they hold themselves. Like I've, I've read books on like how people shake hands, how they hug, how they hold themselves, like how they cross their arms, like all these things. And so that's what I was working on. I was like, how do I take an amazing portrait of someone so it looks like it's them and they feel comfortable and relaxed and they love the image. And then the camera, I was like, oh, okay, I better, you know, learn how to, to 
do that thing as well because this is how I'm doing it. And I got to a stage when it was frustrating because I was like imagining photos that were better than what I could take because of my skills. So, you know, I caught up with my photography, but it never really was about the photography. It's always just, it's only been about the connection and creativity. That's all I care about. I feel like you just opened my brain and it all just fell out because that (laughs) explanation is like, I guess what I was feeling, but I guess I was scared to admit at the same time because as photographers, it's always about the photos and all of this and blah, blah, blah. But I agree with you 100%. Photography for me has done exactly the same thing. It has taken me to places where I thought I would never been before and I'm so grateful for it. And I think I love the experience of what wedding photography has given me more than the actual picture taken itself. And that is so crazy that you say something like that because I thought I was crazy and I was like not thinking this was photography. So, wow. I see see business as creative. I see this podcast as creative. I see so many things creative. So I don't like to pigeonhole myself into thinking like photography is the only thing I can do that, you know, kind of like serves my creativity. Um, I literally just... Anything, any avenue in life that I can bring creativity to, it doesn't matter if it's a camera or not. I mean, that's when I love it. That's when I'm actually, there there was a saying, I can't remember what it was. Someone was saying, if you're stupidly passionate about something, if you were like, yeah, stupidly passionate about something, it means like you're going to become really good at it because it doesn't matter how much someone pays you and it doesn't matter how much time it takes and nothing matters. You're going to do it and you're going to stay up at nighttime and you're going to think about it and you're going to, you know, it's, it's just going to take all your energy. And when I said that before, I have so much energy. That's what my energy is on. It's on all those things. It's not necessarily on my camera and thinking about my camera down in my studio and like what settings I should use at my next wedding. It's literally about like my creativity of like, how can I serve more people or help people with their problems? Or how can I, you know, like give a better experience to my bride and groom on their wedding day? Because I know how special a wedding day is. How can I do that tomorrow at the wedding that I'm shooting? That's what I think about. It's almost like I I don't, I'm like, I don't care about the photos. I want to make sure they're having a damn good time. And I know I'm going to produce those photos because I do it every weekend. Fuck yes, 100%. And I love that. That is so good. Uh, this interview has given me such a slither into your brain and it is, I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so good to have you on the show interviewing me <laughs> because I knew like you've, um, I've actually, if for the <laughs> listeners that don't know, Daphne's done a few mentoring sessions with me. And so it's been really good, like watching her grow and helping her along as well. And to have you on the show, I just felt like it just made so much sense to ask some questions because people always ask me questions and I can see people want to ask more questions and I don't really put any weight to it. Like I don't, you know, because I'm just like, oh, it's just me. Why would anyone ask a question? Like that doesn't really make sense. But when I think about it, there's so many people in this world I'd love to ask questions to because I'm like, how does that happen? Or how did they do this? You know, what makes them tick? Like I want to know these things. So, yeah, I think it was just like a really good idea to get you on the show. So, you know, you you got a free-for-all. You can ask anything you want. I know. That's why I'm totally like excited. (laughs) I feel like I have no barriers, you know. So, it kind of, um, there's this one question that I'm really obsessed with when I meet people. Like, I'm a people person. You can tell I can always get very excited when we talk and I talk 1,000 miles a minute. But um, so I really like to find out about someone because I feel like you really know someone when you find the perspective on their um, spiritual journey. I know it might be completely off topic, but I do hear you saying on your podcast what you put out, what you put in, universe is your back. And I've heard you say in a few interviews and I really want you to expand on it. Like you're religious, you believe in God. How does it play in your life or your business? Yeah, cool. It's a really good question. I actually grew up um, very religious, um, different to what you're thinking. I actually grew up Hare Krishna. And Hare Krishna is really interesting because it's uh, um, an Indian religion. Uh, It was like in the movement of when there was like a lot of hippies. And so, my parents were definitely hippies. My dad spent a lot of time in India and that's how I got a name Jai. It was was so good. Like, I actually really enjoyed it um, because like... You know, they believe in karma and they believe in like not eating animals and not hurting others and like not hurting the people around you. And it's very peaceful. 
and I loved it because of all those reasons. There was, there's like things I don't love about religion, and you know, like one thing is how like religion's not really with the times with like feminism and things like that. So there's things that I feel like I it doesn't like go with my belief. Um, but I did grow up Hare Krishna, and my mum. Uh, she's probably not Hare Krishna anymore, but you know, and my dad, he he was really into it. I was actually the youngest Australian to be initiated into the Hare Krishna religion, which was like a big deal back in the day. And then I think like, you know, they told, you know, it was like a guru that came in and I was in the ashram and then they told everyone back in India and stuff and I was 11 years old and yeah, it was like a wild, wild ride. It can, it's like, I guess it can be a little bit cultish as well. So, it is really interesting. But for me now, like, I have a very broad kind of sense of religion. Like, I don't really believe in a religion, like, personally, but I believe in spirituality. So, I believe, like, I believe in religion in the sense of I believe they're good for people. They give so many people so much hope, so much uh, so much direction, um, so much community. Like, there's so many amazing things that come out of religion. And I firsthand have seen those amazing things as well. But I believe more so in... I guess like the universe, because when you think about it, the things that I like, I believe in, like, I definitely believe there's like aliens out there. I definitely believe there could be fairies. There could be anything. So, I believe that my mind is so small and my perception of the world is so funneled. I almost know nothing about this whole universe. Like, when you think about, when you think about the universe, right, or just this earth, how amazing is it? Like, how amazing? It's almost, like, impossible. You have, you know, beautiful waterfalls and a big, giant, like, storm comes over and then you've got flowers and you've got bees and you've got, like, all these things. And it's, like, the most incredible thing that you could possibly even imagine. You can't even imagine. It's already, you know, there's, like, glow-in-the-dark mushrooms. There's, there's like, you know, weird animals out there. Like, look, look at an, an elephant. Look at an elephant. Like, there's this weird thing with a giant trunk. Like, I mean... If you don't believe in aliens, like, look, just look at that thing. Like, that is a weird looking creature. But because of those, re- like, because of those things, I believe that there's just more than what I know. And that's all there is. Like, so that's on, on the sense of, like, the God God thing. I can't, like, put it onto, like, there's a man in the sky and he's in that formation and then that's God. But I do believe, like, you know, the universe just sort of, it's almost like it's uncomprehensible for me. And I'm, and I'm happy with that. I'm happy not knowing where I go when I die. And I'm happy that, you know, this is my only life and I'm going to make it count. And, you know, I'm happy that I'm trying to be, you know, make people feel better in this world. And I'm trying to bring happiness and I'm trying to bring people up. Like, I'm happy that I, in my own small world, can make this world a better place. And that's what I believe in. And then with the things like the power of the universe, I guess, like, and, and, you know, like the power of now, and all those things. Like, I honestly believe what you put out to the world, you're creating your own reality. And so, if you, for instance, and you see it all the time, like in the last 10 years, this is just confirmed like case after case after case. You know, someone says they're unlucky or nothing's good happens for them or, you know, whatever it is. And then you see someone else that has nothing and they get everything in this world because they're just happy-go-lucky and they're making people feel good and they're they're bringing happiness to the world and it and then they get happiness like so many things come back so i honestly believe if you want like what reality you actually want you can create it so you know like when i grew up um you know there was like you know domestic violence and stuff like my dad used to beat up my mom and i used to have to run you know next door to like call the police and this would be a weekly thing and my mom would have black eyes and stuff like that but i would actually create myself a reality and i used to go into my room and I would just like sit there in the fetal position and I would imagine a whole nother universe that was different to the universe that I'm in. And I'll do that because I was like, I was fully aware that I was like, this doesn't have to be my reality. I know it's happening right now, but I can, you know, tr- I can almost like transport myself. I can like, you know, go travel to another place. And then now that I'm older, like, you know, I can't just like turn a blind eye to things, but I do know that I can, I can change my own reality by, you know, limiting the energy I put into things that I think is not worth my time or hanging out with the people, um, you know, that only bring me up and 
like I guess like my, I'm just not here for long enough in this world to to like exert my energy onto things that are not changing my life for the better. And so that's basically where I go with my my spirituality. Yeah, so that, I mean that was a long answer, but yeah, it's not a, it's not a really it wasn't really a simple question, I guess. <laughs> I think that needed the long answer and because that is super super deep and really heavy yeah. so thank you for sharing that with me because that's that's huge and that makes a person you know of course and i like um you know i don't i don't feel sorry for me and i don't want my listeners to ever feel sorry for me for any reason at all i'm um that's not what i'm about but obviously i feel sorry for the kids that go through that kind of stuff now and you know i feel sorry for the people that can't see a way out and i feel sorry for my friends that couldn't see a way out and you know for me like there's I have no self pity. I my life is the way like my, I'm so privileged. I'm a I'm a white male middle aged privileged man, and I've got nothing to complain about. I know that, and I would never waste anyone's time by complaining. You know, that's just not it's not what I'm about. That's super beautiful, and I love that. <laughs> I love that. I just don't think there's um, any excuses, I guess, when it comes down to it. You know, because this is so good, and what you've created your whole life and in such a short time so i want to know how old are you exactly yeah so last question hey how old am i i just had a birthday and i had to i had to think about it myself um because i have been pretty flat out these last few years but i'm i'm 33 (laughs) 33 years old and i'm happy really wow that's so young you've done so much in your whole life that is insane yeah it's like you got, you got to think about like in perspective though, like I started my life a lot younger than everybody else. So it kind of worked like that. Cool. Daphne, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and making one epic episode. So um, really pumped. And I know you need to get back to your mum life and work life and all the amazing things that you do in life. So thank, yeah. you, thank you so much, Daphne. <laughs> hey, if you can still hear me there... Um, how can we find you? Are you on Instagram? Do you have a website? Yes, I do. So you can find me on Instagram, Daphne Sky Studios, and also on my website, www.daphneskystudios.com. And I'm Queen and I service Gold Coast, Brisbane, and Scenic Rim. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daphne. Thank you. Hey, so if you love listening to this podcast i would love for you to subscribe if you haven't already i'll be releasing so many more good episodes that will bring you so much value to your business and i really don't want you to miss out guys have a really good week this week and i'll see you soon make your break is brought to you and hosted by jai long in our melbourne studios and produced by our American friends, Simpler Media Productions. For more information on this podcast, our workshops, or anything your heart desires, please visit jilong.co.